Welcome to First State Insights, a podcast presented by the University of Delaware's Institute for Public Administration. My name is Sean O'Neill, and I'm a staff member at IPA. I'll be your host for this episode. Thanks for listening. On today's episode, I'm joined by Logan Herring, Chief Executive Officer of the WRK Group and Reach Riverside, a purpose-built community development project in the Riverside neighborhood of Wilmington. Logan began as the Executive Director of the Kingswood Community Center in the Riverside neighborhood in 2016, before it was designated as a purpose-built community in 2018. As a member of the Purpose-Built Community Network, Reach Riverside is focused on the three pillars of redevelopment, education, and community health. This multifaceted community development project now includes a major redevelopment effort of the Riverside neighborhood, major renovation of the Kingswood Community Center, a state-of-the-art youth center designed by teens for teens called The Warehouse, and a community plan for the entire Northeast area of Wilmington. Reach Riverside has grown tremendously in the last five years that Logan has been executive director and has received a great deal of support from the city, the state, private companies and corporations, and major institutions such as Christiana Care. Logan has received a number of awards in recent years, most recently being named the Delaware Business Times CEO of the Year for 2021 for large nonprofits. He is also on the board of directors for Goodwill of Delaware and Delaware County, as well as Vision Coalition of Delaware. Let's get to the conversation. Thanks for joining us today, Logan. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So can you tell me a little bit about your background and how you got involved with Reach Riverside? Sure, sure. So I grew up in West Center City neighborhood, um, single mother household. I attended uh, the Frame Boys and Girls Club as a kid. And um, the summer that I was 14 and I was a working age, I told my mom I want to work. I wanted to make money. So I became a camp counselor at the Frame Boys and Girls Club. Did that every summer till I went to college, um, Goucher College down in Towson, Maryland. Every summer I worked in uh, either sports enrichment camps, reading enrichment camps with inner city youth of Baltimore. They would come to our campus. So I, I really had that passion for working with youth since the age of 14, since I was you know, considered a youth. After I graduated college, I came back home and, you know, I played soccer and basketball throughout my childhood. I played at Goucher and I always looked up to the guys in the neighborhood because they were, you know, far superior uh, than I was in terms of athletic. But I came back and I saw those same guys. They were either, you know, still on the corners. Um, they were in jail and some of them, you know, were dead at that point. And I said, I wanted to do something to change the trajectory of the folks that looked like me in the neighborhoods where I grew up. So my best friend, Eugene Young, and my brother, Shannon Watson, and I started a nonprofit. At the age I was 23, um, Eugene was 23, and my brother is 13 years older than us. And the nonprofit was called Delaware Elite. And what we did was we used basketball as a carrot to instill life skills into the student athletes uh, with whom we work. And we provided everything from SAT prep to etiquette classes, everything that holistically they would need to be successful in life. And in order to play on the weekends and to travel to the best tournaments, you know, up and down the region, uh, they would have to do certain things in order to qualify, like getting their a sheet signed where it was signed by their four primary teachers. 
to say, you know, whether was their work satisfactory? Did they turn in all of their work? How were they conducting themselves in class? They had to do community service. And in turn, uh, we didn't charge them much, if anything, if they couldn't afford it to participate. And then we took them to the best tournaments. We had the best uniforms. We stayed in the best hotels. We went to some of the best restaurants. And um, what it really did was expose them to a life outside of what they were used to um, in the inner city neighborhoods of, of Wilmington. And we had a lot of success stories, but we also had, you know, some tragic stories. And one of those tragic stories was about a kid named Stanley who suffered a home invasion, him and his mother. They were both shot. His mother died in his arms and it took place in the Riverside neighborhood. So when I had the opportunity to come back into this neighborhood and to make a difference by way of working at Kingswood Community Center to turn around that organization that was about to close its doors. I didn't think twice about it. Actually, I thought twice about it uh, because it was a, <laughs> it was a heavy undertaking. I, I mean, the, 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 the community center had uh, missed payroll. Um, it was on a 13-week rolling cash flow just to see if it could pay. You know, the staff, uh, the attendance numbers were down. The, the parents owed, you know, over $20,000 in child care fees. Like, it was a mess. It was literally raining on the inside of the building. There was exposed asbestos. It was a complete overhaul needed. And um, I took, you know, I faced that, that headwind and tried to do the best I could in terms of providing leadership, establishing relationships, um, reestablishing sources in terms of funds and investments. And uh, in a matter of two years, we were able to turn around that organization and use that organization as the foundation to build out what is now known as the work group, where we, you know, we catalyzed the birth of Reach Riverside and the warehouse. And now I run all three nonprofits. We have um, over a $7 million cumulative budget, $13 million in assets, overseeing a $250 million revitalization project, and over 131, well, 131 employees currently working for us. So in a matter of five years, we were able to uh, really turn this thing around and build something special. That's my story in a nutshell. Um, that's how I got started, and, and that's kind of where we are. That's great. So... Reach Riverside, I think it's important to note that it's a purpose-built community. So can you just describe what it means to be a purpose-built community and how it's contributed to your success and just elaborate a little bit more about Reach Riverside and everything that you, you have going on there? Yeah, so to be a purpose-built community, first of all, it's not easy. Um, you have to apply, you have to be vetted, um, and you have to show leadership and be able to uh, meet the mark in their model. And their model is uh, it's a three-pronged approach. High-quality mixed-income housing, so you have to be able to secure a developer and have the ability and opportunity to uh, build housing. Mixed-income housing, it has to be quality. The second pillar is a cradle to college and career education pipeline, so you have to be able to establish the partnerships and the programs needed to, to deliver on that pillar. And then the last is community wellness. Can you establish partnerships and relationships with entities who might be able to increase the community wellness, access to health care, um, addressing food insecurities, um, safety, those types of things, and be able to show leadership in that pillar as well. And then you have to establish a separate nonprofit, a 501c3 entity to coordinate all of these efforts. And when you do that, then you're considered to be in their network. There are only 28 network affiliates in the country. And the reason why um, there are so many communities that you know, really are vying to be a part of the, commu 
purpose-built communities network is they provide free technical assistance and they can do that because they're funded by three billionaires, one of them being Warren Buffett. So they had, you know, the blank checkbook um, to really kick things off and provide uh, support that most community efforts like this just do not have the resources to do on their own. And they provide that technical assistance for at least a 10 year period. The other major benefit is that you're a part of, you know, I like to equate it to a fraternity where, you know, no matter where you are in the country, you have a group of individuals or a group um, that are doing similar efforts where you create a community of practice. And that helps us to accelerate our efforts because we can learn best practices from one another and support each other in their efforts respectively. So, so that's, you know, the, the special part of being a part of the, uh, the purpose-built communities um, network. And we were the 19th to join. They are now 28. We joined at the end of 2018. And they are not adding any more neighborhoods anytime soon. They really want to go deeper in the communities that are part of the network now and not go bigger. So, you know, we were very fortunate to be uh, adopted into this network. And I can say without question or hesitation that we are one of the leading efforts in this network. Um, I think we're, we're seen as a leader and we're able to do that because of the comprehensive and the complex makeup of the three organizations, the Warehouse Reach Riverside and Kingswood. And the shared services agreement that we have really speaks to the collaborative nature we approach this work, but it also is a way for us to afford and attract and retain the best talent at Reach Riverside. So all the Reach Riverside employees are funded by the three organizations, which we split a third, a third, a third. And no other purposeful community has that model of makeup, and it really allowed us to grow exponentially. We now have, I believe, 12 full-time employees. We are perhaps the second largest purpose-built community in terms of staff right now. And I'm sure we'll be the largest by the end of this year because we continue just to add folks and build capacity so we can accelerate the work that we're doing um, in a neighborhood. So can you talk a little bit you know, more specifically about you know, everything that you have going on? It's, it's, I know it's kind of a multifaceted you know, project at this point, you, you know, it's, it's all kind of centered around Kingsford Community Center, as you, as you mentioned. But if you want to talk specifically about, like, you know, what, what you're doing on the ground, you know, yeah. and kind of all the different parts, if you can summarize, because I know there are, yeah, there yeah, are a lot, yeah. there's so much going on now between the warehouse and then the survey effort with Wells Fargo, in addition to all the construction, it's, it's really impressive. So, yeah, I'll, I'll start with Kingswood because Kingswood is the foundation for everything. And that's actually one of our core values because we need to remember that Kingswood started in the neighborhood in 1946. So it's been a neighborhood 75 years and Kingswood has an early learning academy, a senior center really provides that um, holistic family support that the community needs. We recently launched uh, primary care out of Kingswood in partnership with Christiana Care. So now anyone in the neighborhood, regardless of age, can get access to primary care within a trusted entity at Kingswood in proximity to their house, which is huge because that is a major barrier to, um, you know, wellness, just basic health. And then when we go beyond that and we focus on the housing construction, uh, we have started construction on the first phase of housing, which will be 74 units. We've secured funding through low-income housing tax credits. Um, we were awarded a 9% low-income housing tax credit award in consecutive years, which has never been done in the state of Delaware. 
which will allow us to do back-to-back -back phases. Um, so over the course of three years, we will be building 141 rental units, mixed income, market rate, affordable, and deeply subsidized units. The total project is close to 600 housing units, um, and there will be home ownership, uh, a home ownership component to this as well, um, hopefully in the near future. The next capital project, I would say, is a $30 million, 70,000 square foot new state-of-the-art Kingswood Community Center, which we should be building once we uh, raise the funds to do so. So that's our next capital campaign we're about to launch. In the last two years, we've raised $20 million towards all the work that we're doing. And the next three years, we have the goal to raise another $30 million to build the new Kingswood Community Center. And then the last um, component, and we call this like our sexy project, is the warehouse. It's a state-of-the-art teen center uh, for the, the Wilmington teens. Um, we're not just focusing on Riverside, although that's our, like our primary target, um, but we understand that the entire teen population in the city of Wilmington really needs the support and services. So we focus around five pillars at the warehouse, also using the REACH acronym, recreation, education, arts, career, and health to address three major needs, safety, educational support, and workforce development. So that's, you know, in a nutshell, what we're doing. There's a, there's a lot more when you get into the details of how we're executing, but that's, in a nutshell, a broad overview of the work that we're doing. I know in, in terms of the development of the neighborhood, where are you, you know, I guess physically there in terms of construction development? And then um, if you can talk a little bit about the uniqueness of, of the development in terms of uh, you know, mixed income and, and various types of housing you're trying to provide. Yeah, so the, some of the first homes will be built by, we're on, on target for the end of this year. I think the first 74 in total will be complete um, about this time next year, but we'll be doing the, the second phase concurrently. Um, as soon as we close on that, and that will be late summer, early fall, we financially close on the second phase, which will be 67 units. So again, over the next three years, 141 homes will be built. They're all rental homes, uh, mixed income, our mixed income target for the entire project is a third market rate, a third affordable, affordable. So like that around a 60% or so um, average median income, and then um, a, a third below the 30% average median income. In terms of the community currently, we are at the average median income for our current public housing community is less than $10,000. So they would all qualify for that deeply subsidized. And in order to meet the mixed income, we have to attract other income levels into the community. But we said, yeah, we can do that, but we need to really focus on the existing residents and help them become upwardly mobile. So we're kicking off a new initiative this year where we're investing a million dollars annually into this initiative to provide economic mobility support, coaching, and resource servicing. It's called Empower. Empower stands for economic mobility, places ownership within everyone's reach because the holy grail is ownership. Mm -hmm. It's something that has been systematically denied from communities like Riverside. And we want to make sure that not only do we bring home ownership opportunities into the neighborhood, but we make sure that the community is prepared for when we do so. So they'll continuously climb up that uh, income level in terms of the rental units and then eventually be able to purchase a home right in the very same neighborhood. You know, as you know, I'm on one of the subcommittees and you mentioned that recently. And I was I was really impressed to hear that because yeah. that is a you know, very important component and something that is kind of a struggle if you're trying to improve housing in an area you want to be able to ensure that people aren't, you know, kind of forced out, people that that 
you know, make up the community as it is. So yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting initiative. I'm, I'm anxious to kind of see where you go with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to kick it off. I know it's going to be a lot of work, you know, economic mobility and, and tackling all of the, the services, um, the service navigation, the resources that are needed to, first of all, stabilize families. You know, these families, for the most part, because of the onslaught, because of all the barriers and oppression that they face, um, are extremely vulnerable. And then you add on a, a global pandemic on top of that. So, you know, our, our first priority is to assess where they are and then work with them on a plan that they self-determine of where they want to go. And then we figure out how we um, help support them to get there. You know, as we just talked about here, you're, you're leading a great effort to, to kind of revitalize and rejuvenate the neighborhood, Riverside neighborhood in Wilmington, and having a lot of success. I mean, some of the numbers that you're talking about there and just the scale of everything you're doing is is really amazing in, in the in the amount of time that you've been working there. So I, I would imagine that there have been some pretty big lessons that you've learned along the way. I can imagine what it's been like being in your shoes over the last few years with so much going on and just sort of the pace of all this. So I wanted to hear from you um, your thoughts on some of the biggest career-oriented lessons that you've learned through your work with Reach Riverside and what advice you might give to others you know, in the city of Wilmington, but, but also elsewhere that kind of throughout Delaware, throughout Newcastle County, um, that are looking to, to make improvements in their neighborhood and, and, you know, revitalize their neighborhood in a positive way. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to take it back to sports. Uh, we were talking earlier and, you know, I am a, um, a high school coach for soccer and basketball. I played soccer and basketball throughout, you know, my childhood and, you know, young adulthood. I'm really into team, team concept, um, unity. And that has been the the greatest reason I believe for our success um, is that we approach this as a team and I'll get a little bit more specific. So um, we have a philosophy here. We call it our Thanksgiving day model. And that means that everybody brings their best dish to the table. So whether it's a staff member, whether it's a board member, whether it's a partner, we ask them to do what they do and do it extremely well. And don't try to do everything for everyone. Where I fell short prior to working in Riverside was when, you know, I was executive director for Delaware Elite, is we were trying to do everything for our student athletes because we loved them and we didn't want, we, we wanted to do everything because we knew they needed a lot of support. But the one thing we didn't do well was bring in other entities to do things that we didn't do well and focus on the things that we do well. And we are not making that mistake in this work. We, we have a philosophy, you know, we believe in partnerships, not programs. So everything that needs to happen, we'll make sure that we bring the best that focuses on what that is. So if it's healthcare, we bring in Christiana Care or other, you know, uh, health-related entities to the table. If it's uh, academic support, we bring those programs. If it's financial literacy, we, we bring programs like um, DCRAC and, and Stepping Stones. You know, if it's um, focusing on, you know, economic mobility, we bring Prosperity Now all the way from D.C. and we're partnering with them. So you name it, like the warehouse, for example, has over 140 partners. So, you know, one thing that I, I would toot my own horn about is my ability to recognize talent. And I might not always know where they, you know, we talk about, um, I'm sure you heard about, you know, I think it's, uh, oh my God, his name's escaping me. 
but it's talking about get get them on the bus and then find the the right seat on the bus. And that's that's what we do. We make sure we understand where the talent is, bring them into the fold and allow them to do what they do best. And sometimes they might not be in the right seat, but we'll make sure we get them on the bus first and we'll figure that out. And because of the team that we've assembled, it has been a tremendous just to sit back and watch with all. I actually wrote an email. So I was away for um, a few days um, this past weekend and the beginning of this week. And um, before I was coming back for vacation, I sat down and I typed a brief email to my team and I just told them I appreciated them because this is the first vacation that I've taken where I didn't, I wasn't completely unplugged. So I'm not going to lie. I was scanning, I was scanning emails and I was scanning the emails and I was just like sitting back in awe about the flurry of activity, but the way that the staff was just making things happen and and providing solutions and just executing every single day. And in the past, you know, I would have to jump in and do this and do that. And I didn't have to jump in at all. Um, I was responding emails here and there because I couldn't help myself. But for the large majority, I was just really, really amazed and grateful that we had a team that could do work at such a high level. And that's what we've been able to do here. So I'm just a big team guy. I'm all about collaboration and partnerships. And that's the reason for our success. And uh, I'm extremely grateful for everybody, all of our stakeholders, including you, you know, our committee members, everybody is really pitching in. And when you have a neighborhood that has been made vulnerable over decades and hundreds of years of oppression, um, we don't need to get into the histrionics of that because, you know, I think we're all more aware over the past year, year and a half of, of why neighborhoods are vulnerable, um, that it's really going to take a collective effort to to make sure we turn these neighborhoods around. So that's what it's taking. That's what we're doing. And I'm excited about what we've accomplished. But I know we have a long way to go, but we do take moments to celebrate the small victories because to us, they may be small, um, but what we're doing in this community is by no means small at all. Well, that's great. Uh, Logan, and you know, I want to thank you for your your time today. You know, taking some time to to talk to me about this. You know, I'm, I'm always blown away at at uh, just the success that you're having there, and how much is going on. And as I mentioned to you before we started recording, I I, I was blown away to, to to note that you're also coaching soccer and basketball on top of everything else, and being a dad. So I don't know how you do it all, but I appreciate you making some time to talk to me today. You know, this, this has been great. So thank you. No, it's my pleasure. And they, they say, if you want something uh, done, give it to the busiest person in the room. So <laughs> I guess I'm good at time management. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Logan. No, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. For more information on Reach Riverside, please visit their website at reachriverside.org. For more information on Kingswood Community Center, the warehouse, and the Northeast Wilmington Community Plan, please visit wrkgroup.org. And for more information on IPA, please visit ipa.udo.edu. Thanks for listening to this episode of First Data Insights. Subscribe to our podcast so that you'll never miss an episode.